You're listening to WrestlingTradingCards.com. Car collectors, here we are again. Another episode of what I like to call WTC TV. I don't know why. Probably from my old RVD days when we did RVD TV. Um, and uh, I bring him back, Mr. Adam Gillen again. How are you, sir? What's up? I'm doing great. You know, glad to be back. I always uh, like doing these things. I figured that I bring you back because I can't think of anybody better to bring back to talk about what I want to talk about today, and that's uh, uh, the digital world of, of collecting of trading cards. Yeah, and uh, and I'm hoping at some point in time we can incorporate some other aspects of digital stuff into this. But um, anybody who's watched the previous episode we did with you, uh, I talked to you about the Top Slam atta- uh, Slam app, and I just could not wrap my brain around not owning a digital like uh, owning a physical card in my hand. Like I'm so used to having a physical card. But since then, I started, and I got a notification just now that I have enough money to spin the wheel. Um, <laughs> I, uh, since then, I have become addicted to this app. Mm-hmm. And I, I've spent a grand total of like $5 to buy a special card. But other than that, I, it's just everything just keeps giving me coins, giving me coins, and I keep getting more cards. And I, I'm, I'm so addicted to it. And I even got my wife involved who knows nothing about wrestling. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well. I'm just going to help you out. I'll go get some cards and I can trade for stuff that you want. And then you can get me stuff. Now she's hooked on Becky Lynch. Like that's her girl. She has to have Becky Mine Lynch too. stuff. Oh, Mine I know. Too. And uh, so she's out there trading. Like, well, I don't, I'm not going to give you this card because I need it for a trade to get my Becky Lynch kiss card that I want. <laughs> oh God. So I probably she, have, I probably have a number of them. She can probably have one. <laughs> she, uh, she, she's so uh, it, it just involved in it now too. So like every single day I'm getting like, uh, you have a trade request. I go, oh, of course it's from her. I can see it's from her. That's great. Yeah. But I'm addicted to it. And I wanted to just share with you about my experience with it. And then you're still using it though too, right? Yeah. But you're not using it like in an everyday, like you're on a, uh, like how much time per week do you think you uh, spend on Top Slam? Very, very little time. I, I think the reason, I mean, like it used to be the way that the app was structured, like it, uh, behooved you to be on the app constantly and trading and doing all of these things. Um, I just, I think that they've shifted away from the things that made the original sort of users of the apps engage with it constantly. And um, right now it, with the introduction of the secondary currency and all the other stuff about it, you know, three or four years ago, no, it couldn't have been that long, maybe two years ago um, when they started doing that, I mean, it just became easy to get exactly what you wanted. So you just literally have to hop on whenever they release something and spend your money. And that's pretty much it. Like, so I don't how, really. How is it like, for instance, someone like me, I'm still learning. I, I've only been using it for maybe a couple months now at tops. Mm-hmm. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I always, ne- I can never get these iconic or legendary type level of cards because they sell out so quickly. How is it people get them so fast? Well, the, most of them don't sell out fast. Like the, there's a very small percentage of limited cards that are released in the app. It used to be, and this is what I think one of the other things that drives me absolutely insane is that it used to be that every card was limited 
and it wasn't limited by time it was limited by card count so like they said hey this card is being released in this set and the first 25 people to pull it or acquire it that it's sold out that's what well, they still now, do and i can never get kind those cards of, hold on a second kind of so they've they be, when they started switching to the new format of the app they instead decided that they were going to limit a lot of cards by time and pack mechanics rather than card count now there are some cards in every set that still have a limit on them but you know it's very very rare that an entire set is limited like in that and like i'll give you an example so like inception tops inception is the most widely collected set across all of tops's digital app i don't know why that's the case but for whatever reason it is their blockbuster set that they release in every product i liked it in or in every app yeah it. And it's my favorite too. And I remember I was actually uh, part of the the crowd that really got into it the first time around when they released it on Top's Huddle in like 2014 or whatever. But um, I will say like, it, I remember the first edition of the physical cards came out in football in 2011. And um, I remember how revolutionary that set was. So to bring it into the digital space where it's kind of lived on in all of these different brands that Tops has lost the physical license for, it's become like this really important set. Well, two years ago when they released it in wrestling, um, everything was limited. I mean, really limited, like 20 copies for like the most Im uh, important cards. There were one of one of ones. There was a whole bunch oh, of stuff. Oh, wow, one of ones. Yeah, there was a, I mean, like it was ridiculous. And in baseball and football, there was actually even more limited content. But for whatever reason, they really shied away in these sort of third tier apps from releasing truly exciting limited content. Now, this year in Inception, instead of, you know, limit things by card count, they limited by time. And it's, it's just not the same. It's not the same chase. And um, I remember, you know, when they first announced that they were doing Top Slam, like the first month of the app, they really didn't do anything limited at all. And it was, they were just trying to get people indoctrinated, kind of like you are, right? They mm, wanted yeah. to get people hooked. But over time, they started going into like the same patterns that they did for every one of the other Tops apps. Now, I explained on the other conversation that we had that tops had a huge problem with star wars huge huge problem with star wars it went from the golden goose to basically tearing apart their entire fabric of their digital app sort of landscape um and they've really instead of and the reason that star wars fell apart was because they released way too much pay-for-play content now what happened was the entire community just became entirely too toxic and instead of saying will be more balanced in the way that the re release everything they literally just swung it all the way back to being I remember the talking way that, about that i do remember yeah that. so they've kind of done that they've kind of brought it back to a balance in a lot of the main apps that they run like bunt and disney and a few other things but with wwe there was just nothing and you saw this release of inception that happened probably a month ago at this point yeah. for the year it just wasn't like i the cards looked tremendous but mm -hmm. they just they weren't the same because the chase wasn't there anymore. They were limited. So you say, how do I get these cards? Well, there is one answer and you're not going to like it. And it's pay money, a lot of money. I, I, my, my, from me and my, and my limited knowledge of it is the way you get better odds of getting your stuff is by using the diamonds as opposed to the coins. So it's even I, more than that. It's so not about odds. Diamonds, oh. No, no, it's not about odds. It's about access. 
So you can't actually access those tiers of cards unless you spend money. So if you, so like, I'll give, so like the most recent release was Bowman's Best, I think. Yeah, uh, Series um, 2, yeah. Yeah. So you can't even get the best cards unless you spend the secondary currency. You can't get the secondary currency unless you spend money. So, I mean, there are limited quests sometimes that give you like a very small amount of these diamonds that you need to buy the packs. Mm-hmm. But unless you're going to spend a hundred bucks, like you're not pulling anything of worth. Um, and unless you get really lucky. Now I've done that before where you literally spend a dollar and you buy one pack and you get the best card you can pull. Yeah. And then you can trade it for just a, you know, for, for new users, like who managed to stumble upon these really valuable legendary cards. I always tell them it's better to trade down for a lot of cards you can use to get other stuff rather than keeping this one mega piece that everybody wants. Yeah. So for me, I've, I've gone from, I have to have everything of Stone Cold Steve Austin and, and, you know, the guys that ultimate warrior, like the guys that I loved as a kid to now, it's become such a grind that I literally just said, if it's not, if it doesn't have Becky Lynch on it, I don't buy it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and if it, and like, I started collecting some of the Rhea Ripley stuff cause I really love her too. But um, you know, I, I just, it was Becky Lynch and I was just like, it just got to be such a grind. So I'm not really on the app as much anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. I just noticing that uh, like that new one you're talking about, like, uh, the newest one that came out that I started getting into again was the Bowman's uh, best series two. And I think they had a level that was only numbered to 25. Like there's only 25 yeah. of like some kind of a gold version of it. Yeah. So you, they release um, sets on a pretty regular basis now too, which I think is taking a lot of the fun out of it as well. It used to be sets were dropping at the crazy, t- at crazy times. Like you never knew when the next stuff was going to drop. Now it's like Wednesdays and Saturday or Sunday, you around one o'clock, you know that a new set is going to drop or a series two of an existing set. So as long as you're on during those times or you keep an eye on your notifications and they, you haven't turned on, you should be able to get access to them if you're willing to spend the money. Most people just say, well, I'm either going to go on eBay and buy it or I'm just going to try and trade for it or I'm just not going to even care enough to, to collect it. That's so. the level I haven't gotten to yet, which is like the eBay side of it and how people can sell this stuff on, on eBay. I, yeah, we talked about that before. I, I, it's not really allowed, but I know. They, they have to. And um, it's actually probably the best way to acquire cards, hands down, not even a question. Like, if you really want to make the most of your money, just go buy whatever you want on eBay. Like, I'm serious. Like, it's, it furthers a negative part of the market. But if you have limited funds and you just don't want to participate at that level and you just want to get what you want and not have to worry about ripping through packs at a hundred dollars a piece like just go buy it on ebay yeah i, I, I just gather up i, I maintain a level of four hundred thousand coins at all times <laughs> and then i yeah. just uh you know if i get to five hundred thousand i'll I'll go oh new release came out i'll buy a hundred thousand coins worth of packs and and uh, that's about it yeah there's really nothing of value that you can spend coins on and get like it coins for like the the top like there's a, a definite divide between the people who spend money and the people who don't and um, so they're like anybody who spends money doesn't care about any of the cards they can get with coins. Like coins are absolutely worthless to anybody who spends a regular amount of money. And that's really what has become a huge detriment to the app. It's like, there is literally nothing available that you can get that with, with coins that is of any value. You have to spend money to get stuff that's worth anything in the app economy. That seems a little shitty actually. Like yeah, I, I, I mean, think, that's a, I, I think wouldn't it be better to have an equal playing field as a collector? So I have to go out there and just say, you know what, we all have the same odds. Well, we can all hold on. There's two schools of thought on that. Um, 
the school of thought is if I'm going to spend money, I want stuff that normal collectors who are just free to play can't get. Like, I don't want to spend the money and be getting things that are of absolute zero value because everybody has access to them. I also don't want somebody to rip their one pack when they get a new user and pull some crazy one-on-one that now is gone because they don't understand how to trade for stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's like, there's that side of it. And there's the other side is like, how do we entice players to stay on the app and trade and do the things that need to be done? And that's, it's, it's such a fine line to walk, which is why things like the NFT boom has really changed so much of this to a degree that is almost immeasurable. Um, Which is is what I want to lead into now is about trying to incorporate this into some sort of NFT. Well, there's, and again, it's an ultra complicated issue because of licensing. And Tops actually released NFT baseball. So baseball Mm -hmm. cards in NFT format. But the problem was that um, it became a very complicated economy and it also is backed with a currency that was involved in the crypto crash. So like, like the, the, I, I got in at like a hundred bucks. My investment went from a hundred bucks to 3,500 bucks and then back down to like 1700 before I sold it. Like now it's at what I spent. It was probably now it's at like $500. So I said, I sold it at a really, you know, on the downward slope, I should have sold it at 3,500. Right. Yeah. And like, so Tops has experience in releasing NFT trading card products. The problem is the licensing that's involved with that is kind of a, a frontier that they haven't explored yet. Like because NFT has come on board in between the signing of these new licensing deals, like there's a lot of gray area that they have to negotiate or they're just hoping that they can release. And once it's out there, they can't pull it back. NFTs are different than the, the top apps because the ownership receipt becomes the item. And in the top apps, top still owns everything. So it's like this encompassed little world that they can literally pull the plug on at any time that they want. Mm-hmm. NFTs are completely different because you're basically transferring ownership of this collectible to the person that bought it while the receipt of that collectible being yeah. the NFT. So like there's a there's a whole different aspect to it. And Personally, I think the NFTs are what the Tops app should have originally become, but because of licensing and because of really sheer creativity, it never happened. And now it's like transferring it into those realms, like Panini is releasing um, Prism Basketball in NFT format, I think tomorrow, or has tried at least once. So the NFT market is where the Tops digital apps should have gone three, four years ago. But because they didn't, now they're in this limbo where people are like, well, I don't have any ownership over these collectibles. Why would I buy this versus buying the Undertaker collectible that WWE released around yeah. WrestleMania? Like, that is the type of thing, like, Bret Hart just released NFTs. So um, John, Corn- John Cornette did, too. Jim Cornette yeah, yeah did too. Cornette, Cornette did his, too. Like, because it's literally printing money. That comes um, out this weekend, as a matter of fact, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard about it on this podcast. Yeah. So, like, the like those types of things are almost making the top apps seem obsolete in a lot of ways because there's no ownership involved. It's literally just for entertainment purposes mm-hmm. where NFTs are digital collectibles that exist in ownership space where the top apps just have none of that. It's all owned by tops encompassed in their own little world. 
So now it just so, focuses on pretty much being a game. It's pretty much all it is now, really. Yeah, it's like it's like buying Madden football and playing Madden Ultimate Team. Like you're literally playing a game. And that we were talking about Supercard before we started re- recording. That's what Supercard is. Yeah. Like WWE Supercard is a game that people pay a lot of money for, but to to exist within the game and have advantages within the game. But it's a game. Like there's an entertainment value in playing along with it. Where the Tops apps is seriously just collecting. And yeah, it's really weird because for a long time, the baseball and the football apps had, I think they do for hockey too. I'm not sure though. I haven't played the hockey one yet, but they incorporated fantasy sports into baseball and football. And they could have done that with um, the top steps. And I actually told the team probably, I want to say five years ago or four years ago at this time, like when we all got together and we're meeting about stuff, I said like, you should do a NASCAR app. And for the NASCAR app, you should have people collect pieces of cars and race their cars like basically take a uh like you you buy packs of cards and you buy in the packs cards you get a chassis and you get tires and you get this and you customize your car with a paint job or with this and you can build cars to race alongside other collectors and they were just like ah no that's too complicated we can't build stuff like that and i'm just (laughs) like well can't you like (laughs) so i was like there's there's ideas like that for wrestlers too like the whole attraction of we we 2k whatever is the create a wrestler right is you can create your own wrestler so why aren't you offering opportunities to do stuff like that where you can customize things and it all comes down to licensing and, and capabilities and resources and time and they've really sort of that's where I think that, as I mentioned, I think a little bit in the last conversation where they really sort of deviated from the, the whole really true potential of this app is creating content that is unavailable anywhere else. And it's really just sort of like, well, this app looks the same as it did in 2014 and the functionality is basically the same. The pack formats are pretty much the same. The only thing that's different is added currency and that's just not an innovation. So then what is the point of sticking around, right? So that's yeah. where the, the problems exist. That's the challenges of keeping users on board. And they must be, uh, I mean, do you know the numbers? Is, is, it, is it the app doing well? Has it gone up in numbers? Has it gone down in numbers? I used to have a lot more of a finger on the pulse there. And from what I understand, the Tops apps had a record year in 2020, to which my response was, you better have had a record year in 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody had a record year. I think, and and what I was saying on Twitter was like, they have potential to really draw people in by releasing products that within the apps that are above and beyond just the normal releases you see in every Tops app, whether that's in Bunt or other things, importing those over to the other apps or, you know, working with WWE to license more aspects of their experience so that you can incorporate that into the fabric of the apps. But that takes time and resources, which I don't know if Tops is willing to dedicate at this point, knowing that they've really just poured all this money into releasing NFTs and then MLB Go signs more NFT deals with uh, Candy App or whatever. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, yeah. So like everything is kind of like changing and there's like, well, we came off a record year. I was like, well, how much money did you leave on the table because you didn't do any of these other things? And the answer is probably a considerable amount. Like when you look at the value of some of these other mobile apps, who saw just three, four hundred percent increase in profit? You you look at Top's investor profile, and this is where the NFT release sh- shined a light on digital that has never been shown before. 
you can go on Topps' website for the MUDS acquisition, um, and they literally broke it down segment by segment. So you can see the projected totals for digital for 2020, 2021, and 2022. I think even to 2023 they had on there where they said that a couple of years ago, the digital division made like $10 million. This past uh, 2019, it was like $25 million. And then the projected, um, and then 2020 was like, $34 million with a projection for 2021 at like $51 million or something like that. So it's like increasing pretty substantially, mm -hmm. but how much of that was driven by the projected growth this year was driven probably by their NFT baseball release among other things that they did with NFTs. And because tops really did a lot with like Godzilla, I think was one of them. Mm -hmm. They did a few different things. So they've invested in the NFT market already. It just hasn't come to WWE yet. And I think as long as that's, you know, part of their investment profile, we would like to believe it's only a matter of time, but at what cost does that mean that the, the investment in the digital apps is subsiding? I don't know. They didn't really, they weren't really clear about that, but I think they've gone from potentials in the hundreds of millions of dollars to where they were in 2019, which was like a $10 million, $20 million division, still pretty substantial when you think of the card market and where they came from, mm -hmm. but when Star Wars was getting national news coverage and they literally just screwed that pooch as best you possibly <laughs> can screw it. That is just a terrible situation. And it's unfortunate because I think it was like the work of like seeing and counting on the wrong statistics and overestimating the willingness of your buying public to participate in your app the way that they did. That's incredible. And it almost seems like they even took this last year and they left so much money on the table for investments for future growth because they could have just taken like, all right, maybe we slow down our growth in this digital right, right now while we try to correct our wrongs and then bring it into 2022 and to 2023 where we can actually really plan ourselves for the future. Yeah. And, it, and again, I think it comes down to the, the vague space that NFTs exist in because if I'm sitting in the top chair and I, and I'm not, but if I was, and, um, and I'm interacting with my licensors, I'm saying, how quickly can I get into the NFT market and exploit that as much as I possibly can? I don't care about anything else. Like literally nothing else on my plate matters as much as clarifying that language. So any other expose I have into growth within my apps is put on the back burner until I can find well, out it's, it's how much in the I back burner anyways, because it's already been proven to work to it. Yeah. To, to a an degree, extent, but to an extent, yeah. I mean, there but can you be still fixtures. are, you're still dedicating artists to the app on a regular basis because they have to build the content. You're looking at um, the producers that actually run the applications and deliver the content, set up the timers to release everything and, you know, reporting and forecasting on the growth and, and the production within the apps, like all of that resource, should immediately and like because tops is in a, a boom period unlike anything that they have ever seen in the history of their company mm -hmm. even bigger than the 90s so there is no pressure right now there there shouldn't be any pressure that doesn't mean there isn't but there shouldn't be any pressure on the digital division to do anything other than develop nfts like that is like and i know that that's a tough thing for me to, to or an easy thing for me to say <clears throat> because there's expectations across every business to deliver to meet expect like the expectations set from previous years mm -hmm. but if if i'm tops like and you you've gone from i think their growth they had in this presentation this investor presentation the growth of their business over the last two years 
like you see that they've gone from a $150 million business to a $350 million business or whatever it was. I'm just, yeah. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I remember looking at it. Like there should be zero pressure on digital to deliver anything but NFTs. <clears throat> there is, there's nothing out there that is as valuable right now as NFTs in the digital world. So why dedicate it to anything else? It's very true. Um, very true. Like I, I'd be interested, I'd be more financially involved and interested that there was an NFT, an NFT aspect to it. Because, you know, I, I did buy into the Undertaker stuff because I thought it was such a cool thing as a collector. Yeah, um, right. uh, so you know, now getting into the top slams like that, you know, my mind's thinking like, how can we convert this into something that I could actually spend money on besides buying coins and diamonds, you know, uh, where I can actually physically, tangibly own a receipt of something, you know, would be kind of nice. Well, the, here's, here's an aspect of the apps that very few people ever considered. Have you seen an advertisement anywhere on the app? No, zero. Zero, right? Zero. There's no advertisement. Have you seen any other money-making apparatus other than the, the diamond purchases? None. There's no, zero. No, it doesn't exist. Other than the diamond purchases, I guess you can kind of in a in a vague way, you know, use where I can get, I can watch things, you know, to earn more coins. So there's some there's some ad, there's right. ad aspects I'm there. I'm saying from a from a user perspective, like I there is no way to get garner money for me if it's not engaging with the app on a constant Correct. basis, right? Yeah, I have to search so, for that. Right. So I have to go watch videos. I have to participate in the app to generate money for tops. There is no other advertisements available where they can make money on me if I'm just there. Right. Correct. I have to engage. So every part of their app is designed to get you to engage. That's why they send you all the notifications. That's why they do the releases the way that they do them. Like it's to get you back into the app because they know they won't make any money off of you unless you're engaging. And so that piece of it disappears with nfts right it is a singular purchase and then the economy becomes um i believe there's fractional ownership correct by tops to pull money out of each transaction that happens on like atomic hub or the other places that that do the the trading of nfts for for cryptocurrency so i think there is a very small percentage of money that they make for the the nfts changing hands um i'm not entirely sure but that's just my own lack of familiarity so let's say, for example, if I release a set of NFT baseball as they did, the only money I'm making is the initial pack sale and then fractional ownership of trades that happen down the road. I think that completely turns the entire app infrastructure on its head because there's no longer any real customer buying power unless you're constantly re releasing more stuff. Mm -hmm. That's true. Very true. And, but, but it but, doesn't matter because the NFTs are inherently 10 times to 15 times as valuable as anything Tops could release on any of these apps. Well, on the other side then is to make things tangible to a customer, how can they take an app like that and make some sort of version of that app where I can incorporate my on-demand stuff? Well, they've, they've done, they've dabbled in that in the past. Um, but again, it all comes down, I think, and again, I'm speculating here because I don't have the licensing agreements in front sure. of me, but they've dabbled it in the past. And I'll get to that in a second. I don't think that there is a way or a desire to incorporate physical elements anymore into the apps. And the reason is because 
the teams of the physical and the digital are completely separate at top. I remember like they, we talked about that and they like, a lot of times don't even talk to each other. <laughs> right. So that's the first thing. Oh yeah. I remember we talked about that. The second yeah. thing is, so I don't know what the licensing allows them to do in transferring between physical and digital. There may not be any restrictions. It may just all be interdepartmental, but they dabbled in that in the past where they've released a physical trading card product that feeds into the app directly. And it just didn't like the, they thought, um, I think that there was like a kind of a shared understanding that physical collectors would become interested in the digital and the digital collectors would become increasingly interested in the physical. And what ended up happening was none of that. <laughs> like it just kind of bombed and it just created a headache of programming cards that could be redeemed and delivered into the app via redemption code or whatever. So I, you would like to think that the technology has evolved over the last five years that um, stuff like that could happen again, but it would require a marriage of an app. Like, again, I don't know how much Tops is willing to say, we're going to invest any sort of in innovation money into these apps anymore because we know that the future is all NFT. Um, even if NFT goes to a point where it's no longer valuable because cryptocurrency crashes even further than it does, it has already, like it's still inherently more valuable than a secondary ownership of a digital collectible you'll never have any real proof of ownership for mm -hmm. so i don't know how much innovation is ever going to come to the top apps again other than minor cosmetic enhancements and new sets and stuff like that sure yeah i mean i i, I would love the opportunity to like to purchase and say right? hey i would buy you know even as a, fac a facsimile autograph version i would love to buy you know a, a version of that would be kind of nice you know well, that is a completely—that's <laughs> a whole different beast altogether. What I'm saying like, is, I'm like, saying I that you know, like, I, I could buy that, like a secondary thing. Like, I could buy that now if I wanted to physically buy it. So that's never going to happen. It's ever. an on-demand service. Yeah, it's never it, that. That type of stuff has been the criticism of digital cards since day one, and it will never happen. The way that it will happen is, I thought the tops now stuff would be a great place to start the crossover again between digital and physical um, or um, something like you can buy through their store the way that they sell on-demand stuff, but you can get it in the app and through their on-demand store delivered to your house. Creating cards like you saw, saw, like you just showed with the Inception cards, like I said, this is a place to gain inspiration for for physical products the challenge on the physical side is like threefold one is the resources it takes to make cards like that Correct. Um, in baseball where inception still runs every single year or is you are getting direct relic content from the leagues to tops or there is such a huge contingent of collectors that go out there and buy game used material that you have a treasure trove any day of the week that you can access through your collector market where you have photo matched, insanely authentic, um, league sponsored sometimes or whatever content to put in cards like that. So um, that's the first thing. WWE doesn't have any of that. And that's why I love, like, if you look at Fully Loaded, which was a, a set released in early oh, yeah. 22. It's, it it's a beautiful set. Yeah, it's the first time we've ever had really unique relics. Well, that stuff doesn't exist unless it comes from WWE. And like, 
if you look at the gear relic cards in full fully loaded, it's the first time we've had anything like that ever offered in a WWE set, or it's been at least five to ten years. Since well, the last time for it's for a tops release product, because Flair used to do quite a bit of stuff. Yeah, in the day. fair, fair. Yeah. But so it's been a, a long, a long, long time. time. Flair has produced WWE cards almost twenty years. So, so if you look at the Inception set in the digital realm, let's just t- say, for example, that they're going to do the minimum amount of work it would be required to get enough relic content to create cards like that. You would either have to insert Nat Relics, um, which WWE provides from a number of their events to top, mm-hmm. uh, as we've seen, or you're having um, single color shirt relics, um, some of the tables, ladders and chairs and stuff like that, that they put in fully loaded. Mm-hmm. Like that's the type of content that they would have to put in those cards. What collectors are accustomed to is the logo patches and the stuff that comes from the baseball side, which are beautiful cards. And um, they're produced in a very um, formulaic way that doesn't lend itself to a WWE timeline the same way. So if you think of like WWE products in digital, you can create them at the snap of a finger because you literally just you know cut out what you want and you put it in there and it's there. Well, for regular cards, it's a nine to 12 month production timeline on every card. So if I want to get a relic and cut it up, you have to obtain the relic. You have to get that relic approved by the WWE. So you can't just throw a relic in a card sure. without talking to WWE first. Everything goes through WWE. And there, it's where it's where good ideas will go to die. So because and it's it's true because they are historically known as one of the toughest licensors to work with when using their trademark uh, uh, um, creative material or what do they call it? Intellectual um, property. Intellectual property. So their IP is notoriously difficult to get approved for use in stuff like this. So when so Top has to then obtain the relic get it approved which can take time when they have to cut it up they have to get those pieces to the production facility to insert into the cards or they do that at the same facility and that takes time then you have to get all the autographs done which are usually done at either one of the main four events like royal rumble wrestlemania um, stuff or they're sending it to a wrestler's house which can be kind of a crapshoot depending on how likely they are to be there during the pandemic it's probably easy because they were all home but when you're on the road when you're on the road doing house shows every week, that's a completely different story, right? Yes. Historically, wrestlers have been on the road 300 days a week or a year, I mean. So mm-hmm. how do you get signatures done if you're not going to an event and getting them done? Or having an event in New York, where Tops is, where they can do those signings, which usually happens about once a year. So the production timelines are vastly different because Tops doesn't have the resources or the cooperation from the WWE to go out and get these autographs the same way that they would for MLB, where they can go to spring trading. They can have on-demand access to athletes because they also have a license to the Major League Baseball Players Association who will crack the whip if people don't sign their card. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist in WWE, and the superstars are busy all the time they have lives too like if they have one day off a week what are the chances they want to go and spend that day off signing cards like they don't don't. now during the pandemic all of that was different but now that they're going back on the road who knows so so but you want to even talk about autographs or relic cards why can't i have a regular card that i pick up through the app on an on-demand service. I, I want to just get this AJ Styles car from Victory. It's not anything special. I just like the design. Because right now there is, and I posted this on my blog a, a couple of days ago, there are finite resources available to print and manufacture trading cards. Right, now. And I did read that. It's a good article. 
yeah, like there's only a very small amount of printing resources available for any trading card company to use. And right now, running a press means running cash through a, a printing press. Like that's yep. how crazy trading cards are right now. So everything is at capacity. Now let's go back two years ago when that wasn't the case. Then it becomes about coordination and co uh, cooperation between the two departments, which historically doesn't seem to have happened very well. Um, and, you know, who knows what the limitations were, why those cards, you know, <clears throat> the art teams are different too. So the art teams that design the physical products versus the art team that design the other products are completely different. Top has to get all of their physical designs approved by WWE likely. So to add on the, all of the other ones that go with the digital stuff too, just adds, you know, gums up the works, right? Yeah. But if this is already an approved, uh, uh, you know, it's not. design, it's just it's not approved. Not. It's not, oh. I don't know. I don't like, we don't know if it's, if like an approval I can't, I cannot imagine even through the digital stuff that they're just kind of going out the back door from then. WA has <laughs> no idea surprised. about this. I would be <laughs> You'd surprised. Be surprised. I yeah, but I don't know. We don't know. Like those yeah. are the questions that I think we don't have access to the answers. Yeah. Like that it could be like that. It may not be. And that's why I think trading card production is probably from the hobby aspect, one of the more complicated things that collectors just have zero familiarity with and really don't make an effort to understand either. Like there's not business to this too. So like, let's say, and again, this is the, the real sort of driving factor is two years ago when there wasn't a trading card boom, if I had offered that AJ Styles physical trading card to be purchased through the app and somebody says, and there are 15 people, let's say, yes, I want that card. Let's, let's say that there are 15 people, but let's sure. say it's 15 people. Trading cards have to be mass produced for them to be profitable. Correct. So why am I mass producing cards at a 15 level and literally throwing money out the window just to make some guy in an app happy who would have bought that card regardless? Like they don't really gain additional sort of revenue because the cost of printing those cards will outweigh the cost of just not doing, of the, the opportunity cost of just not doing it. Well, there are other logistics to that as well, so like that. I mean, I, I, I knew when I was really in bed with comic images days, so I had, so all the aspects of having to work with a company like WWE, working with an editor from both sides of the plates so like that. Exactly. You know, all these different things. Takes time. Uh, but it takes time, absolutely takes time. And, and the majority of a person's investment is actually on the base set as opposed to all the other, you know, autograph cards like that. Those are the easier parts. It was the base that became the Well, maybe back aspect. then. Back then, now it's the like. Well, now it's, it's, it's think, a matter of like air, airbrushing out Levi's off a pair of pants or taking a Coke can out of the, out of a picture. That has to all be done. Well, that's for certain sets. There's like there's split fifty fifty between using the official WWE renders where none of that has to be ever accomplished. Like I design my own trading cards really easily. Yeah. Like I I have like I was like just to see if I could do it right. I'm gonna yeah. try to design my own trading cards. All you have to do is go into the WWE render database, pull out the render you want of the wrestler you want to use for your card. And it's literally like pre-cut for you. Like yep. everything is that you don't have to edit it at all. When you start made, using- Made our first card. <laughs> yeah, right. So when you do that versus the 50% of the sets that are using actual event images, then there's, air, then there's retouching that has to happen. But the technology that's available right now to do that is really, really easy. Yeah. And to the point where they're re airbrushing uniforms onto um, NFL and, and MLB players every day yeah. because there wasn't a rookie premiere or stuff like that. That's a whole different story. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying that aspect of it isn't as hard as it used to be. The, what is really hard right now in trading card production is actually getting the cards printed, then 
getting them signed and then getting them into packs. So getting them into packs seems to be a very big challenge because I think that there's a very small amount of machined resources available to deliver a packed out trading card. Mm -hmm. Like I, I had heard a story and I can't remember if this was for printing or for pack outs, but I'm, I think it was for pack outs. There was like only a very small amount of the machines that are capable of delivering a mass produced trading card product. And one guy has one, but it's like being held a hostage in his garage or something like that. And he won't sell it. <laughs> like he, people have offered him like millions of dollars for this thing. It's like this big, you know, in a warehouse, like it's like this thing that it's a looper, which mm -hmm. basically you put stacks of trading cards into like this machine and it shoots them on a, on a schedule into a pack format. Yeah. And then, and then there's a wrapper that goes around it. Right. I'd actually um, seen that actually had play out in upper deck when upper deck used to be in Southern California and Yorba exactly, Linda, California. Yeah. Uh, I got a nice little view of watching that assembly line work. Right. So if there's only a certain amount of those machines out there, and I can't remember, you know, again, it's a finite resource. We saw that impact trading card releases across the entire calendar. Yeah. So I, I, it's, it's weird. It's a weird situation right now because everything is so hot. It's, so. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I think there's even less of those machines to pack things out than there are actual printers, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm assuming. Yes, I think that's the case. It's, it's a weird it's a weird business to be a part of because like it's all about the mass production. I think the mass production is the the drawback in a lot of these areas. And WWE is probably the smallest license in that respect of, of all of their stuff. So it gets the lowest priority, which means the digital apps, if you wanted to print those trading cards, would be even further down that list than yeah, anything yeah. else. I mean, it just it doesn't make business sense to offer that, especially when customers are already engaging with the apps in previous years at the $10 million clip. Like that's crazy that, that, that it's gotten that far. So I think overall, like it's, it's, this industry has gotten absolutely insane and I don't think it's going to get any crazy, any less crazy anytime soon. <laughs> what do you want to see happen with this app going forward? Honestly, I, I've already said like if it doesn't go NFT, then it's going to be absolutely more fast, more quickly than I think they ever could have imagined. Like there has to be, but because WWE is releasing their own NFTs because everybody is, does there is there really enough appeal to dedicate that kind of money? And I think we saw them release, as I said, the the first series of baseball. There hasn't been a series two, so like either they they didn't see enough to invest in it, or they're it takes so long to mine the resources to use it that it's just not feasible to deliver for a trading card product that is forced down on your priority list. So, I mean, I would love to see them completely change the entire face of the app. It's not going to happen. I just don't see the investment being made personally. That's my opinion. Yeah. That's my opinion. I should state that. <laughs> I don't have any inside knowledge anymore. So yeah, I, I, I'm addicted to what it is right now, but the other side of me would definitely love to see addicting. It. Yeah, yeah, the other side of me would love to see it somehow form itself into something that can be tangible, like the best of both worlds, even if it's not a physical card, but having a receipt of something that I could own would be really nice. Well, yeah, uh, that's an NFT. That's exactly yeah, what an NFT is. Exactly what it is. That's why I, I bought into the Undertaker one. Uh, I'm not I'm not jumping in the Cornette one or the the Bret Hart ones like that, but. I mean, what's to say these guys who are no longer under contract with WWE or any major company can't just start creating their own damn NFTs, you know? Well, they can. I mean, like that's like the NFT access is there's 
barriers to entry in the fact that you have to have the resources to create the digital blockchain entries, right? Mm -hmm. so you can't just say, here's my NFT, go buy it. Like you actually have to have the resources behind them to attach the currency and attach the receipt so that you can transfer ownership. That takes uh, mining resources and computer resources, if I'm not mistaken. Again, I'm not an expert on yeah. this, so please don't think like I'm no, talking 100%, anything out of my 100% makes sense. I mean, from a, uh, a designer so you standpoint. You can't just say I'm making an NFT and not Here, have And here's my resources. PayPal address. Right, exactly. Here's my <laughs> PayPal, send it to me. Well, actually, I think that's exactly what MJF did. But um, like, but the, I think you're right. But I think like with the cornet thing, like he, I, I, I was listening to his podcast, and I can't remember like how he got to the stage of the NFT that he did. But I know that there was stuff behind it that he had to do to make that happen. You have to work with a company to provide a marketplace for it, or you won't be able to trade it in a way that makes it valuable. Mm -hmm. So, I think if you, if you have a a guy like um, Braun Strowman who seems to have been paid a considerable amount of money to be a part of WWE and maybe has the funds to do something like that. I'm sure he does, mm -hmm. but he can't use any of the licensed WWE stuff mm -hmm. to produce that. Mm -hmm. So that takes away a lot of the collectability of a lot of these things. Um, but it's a, uh, it's kind of a weird marketplace in that respect and that it's open to everybody, but there are barriers to entry that prevent people from just hauling off and creating whatever they want. Sure. Especially from people who are known for something that was licensed yeah, by someone like else. The, yeah. Somebody asked me like it, like uh, Sasha Banks is getting a star Wars figure, right? Mm -hmm. So they're making a star Wars figure of her Costco Reeves or whatever, however you say it, her Mandalorian character that she's getting an action figure. Mm -hmm. And, um, somebody asked me like is this going to be valuable to have it signed as Sasha Banks or have it signed as you know her character or Mercedes Renato like how do you value this and I'm like that's like the most loaded question that there is because now you're crossing two fan bases and if you sign it with one then the other one won't buy it and like if you sign it with a real name will either of them buy it like it's like the the value is in the character which is why i laugh when everybody says like well they should be able to own this and it's like wwe created these characters like they created the characters they created the personas they created the names the only thing they didn't create was the moves that they used to make that character come to life so that's where the wrestlers have a lot of the arguments to say i own this part of it but the the creative ip is all in the branding which is what makes those things valuable if you take that away they're not valuable anymore Correct. There was an article recently about uh, supposedly WWE's telling that talent can't sign under their gimmick names anymore <laughs> conventions. <laughs> good, <laughs> like, good luck how, enforcing. How, yeah, how do you police that? I mean, I like you can't. You just can't. It's just being. It's just. It's just putting that out there. So if there ever is a major situation where they would have to call that into question, it's there that they have documentation saying we've told them they can't do this. Mm -hmm. So like, if somebody goes and just does this massive signing, and for some reason there's legality in question coming out of that they want to have that documentation to cya yeah. but um other than that they're not going to be able to enforce it and they all know that like of it's just it, yeah. literally yeah it's not part of it but when you look at the community the only value in any of these things whether it's a digital collectible or a physical collectible is in the branding of the character that they play yes. so if you take that away it's not valuable anymore like no one wants to create like to buy a Terry Bollea anything like they want to no. buy Hulk Hogan right yeah like like that's the whole thing like it's it's the the character is the value and like 
no one wants to buy like a robe that says Richard Fleer on the back. Like they want to buy Ric Flair. Yeah. So it's like, and that's where I think that this is such a unique marketplace in the fact that WWE has created a world where these characters exist is as, as real life people and people tie their value of their collectibles to those characters, not the people that play them. Correct. It's but a whole Tom different, Hanks, it's a really different world as opposed to like, going to a convention and I get Robert England to sign something as Robert England and Freddy Krueger, you know? Like Tom Hanks can sign a Forrest Gump poster as Tom Hanks and it's still valuable because he's Tom Hanks and he's valuable as a person. Forrest Gump is also valuable as a character, but if he signed that Forrest Gump, people would be like, what the hell is this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like, that's where it just It's all written with the backwards R. (laughs) Yeah. If Robert Downey Jr. went and signed an Iron Man poster, to Adam Iron Man, like no Tony one would Stark. Know, like would you go to Disney World and have this, the guy in an Iron Man suit sign this? Like yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. But if if I have a poster and it's signed by Alexa Bliss as Alexa Bliss, then that's what makes it valuable. It's not that I don't even know her real name, but Lexi the Hoffman. Yeah, that's it. So like um that's the type of thing that makes this such a, a, a unique opportunity for so many collectors that they don't they don't know anything about anything yeah. unless it's signed as the character which creates even more problems when you're trying to build nfts off of this because from a digital perspective you can literally build whatever the hell you want like you can build like a larry steve pig nft for alexa bliss i know he because he just died yeah. like she could do a fundraiser for her pig by releasing larry steve nfts and people would buy the shit out of those things yeah so like that's what i'm saying is like it's like if you want to know where the future of these digital collectibles are it's all within the licensing of the individual organizations that have the ip that's worth collecting it's and that's what i think tops is is swimming in a sea of uncertainty around so I, I'm just wondering what it's going to take for them to kind of, you know, get their wrap their head around this and kind of go, this is the direction we want to go. I mean, what's going to, ah, I, it's a great I question. Wonder, I wonder what it's going to take to get them to realize that this is going to be this, their future and, mm-hmm. and, and they need to jump on it. Like they, they spent yeah, this whole last year absorbing record sales and they have people at home, <laughs> you know, they could have just doing a whole bunch of stuff in house to prepare themselves for a post pandemic. Well, you know, it's a great question. And my, my response to that is just, just do it. Like, I don't know why they don't just dedicate the time to do those things. Maybe they are. And we just, we haven't seen the fruits of those labors yet, but it's possible. Like, yeah. I mean, they could like, if we think of production timelines for trading card products at nine to 12 months, like the NFT boom is not, I don't think it's nine to 12 months old. No. I mean, Top Shot start when did Top Shot really take hold? It was probably mid 2020, right? Somewhere around there. So, so we're we're coming up on 12 months. So like, and they've already released baseball, so they're they're on track in terms of those production timelines. But the uh, the attractiveness the attractiveness for digital is that it's instant. So you should be able to have resources on standby to attach NFTs to collectibles on a regular basis. This should be a weekly thing, where mm-hmm. every week they are releasing more and more NFTs into the tops marketplace to create an economy around the NFTs that they have. It shouldn't just be one set and done, which is why a lot of people bought into the original tops baseball release was because they thought there would be like definitive collection. It's going to be like an ongoing series. Right. But that never, it hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will, 
but we don't know that yet. And there hasn't been any communication. They hired somebody to run, um, his name is Kerside or something like that. I can't remember how you say his name, but it's something like that. And he's on Twitter and he's, and like people are asking him questions and doing all this, but there's zero information that has become available that showcases what their future plans are for this. Meanwhile, MLB is signing NFT deals with other people that seem to be exclusive. Does We don't know if that, how that impacts their trading cards. Like WWE is releasing their own NFTs. They've only done it once, but to think they won't do it again, how does that impact things? Like, I wouldn't be surprised that it becomes an annual WrestleMania type of thing. Right, it should. Well, yeah. well, SummerSlam is coming up, and that's supposed to be on a WrestleMania level this year. Sure. So is that, does that mean that we're, because we already know that the Transcendent Party is going to happen at, at WrestleMania. So like even Topps is investing in, in SummerSlam like a WrestleMania would be. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that we're going to start to see more releases from Topps or investments from Topps into a SummerSlam type event? No idea. Um, similarly, like, does this also mean that Topps doesn't have the ability to release NFTs because WWE told them no. I mean, like, those are the types of things where the licensing contracts were were signed years ago, so they, the NFTs weren't a consideration at that point. So, is this a gray area that they can't navigate because the licensing contracts haven't come into existence that showcase that? Now, Panini somehow and Top somehow have released each one set of cards. Um, how that has resonated with the licensors themselves is I think not public knowledge so we don't know how MLB reacted to it maybe they discouraged them from diving into Star Wars type NFTs because that would be my next logical step would be to expect that they're going to go with a Star Wars NFT that would be huge I think it has the potential to be huge That, that market of fandom there is just it's worldwide so why wouldn't it be but again, it comes back to do those collectors value trading cards for Star Wars? Has there, I don't, I haven't been following the Star Wars cards. I assume like certain parts of that industry, just like certain parts of WWE have exploded, but is it enough that pe- those people will transfer that value into an NFT release? I don't know. Like, I think that's yet to be seen and it's expensive to do it, right? So you get a lot of money back only if it's successful but you've poured a ton of money into it to make it, you know, what it is. How do you go about doing that? And I think for WWE, the audience is probably a fraction of that from a trading card perspective for WWE collectors. It's like so far down the totem pole, do you want to take that risk of investing all that money and getting nothing out of it? If, if the collectors don't latch on, right? That's true. What a, what a weird and crazy uh, dynamic right. all that stuff is to try to figure out. And thank God I'm not the one being paid to do that. <laughs> right. Well, I often, so like, I, I run a, I'm one of the moderators on a Facebook, one of the larger Facebook WWE groups. And like the constant discussion is around those things. Like, why aren't they doing this? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do this? And I'm just like, why would you like those are huge financial risks for for a trading card niche product that you release maybe three or four times a year like i i wish like that's why transcendent like blew my mind is that they invested such an insane amount of money into a product in an industry and a collecting base that has never seen anything like that before and i guess you could say that's how it came you know it was uh, the inception happened in baseball with transcendent but like that type of investment never happens in a like a, a a brand like WWE, which has so few people involved with it. 
And up until, you know, a year ago when the Hulk Hogan, you know, junk wax started going through the roof because some rando dude had like a bunch of PSA 10s that he just wanted to unload, like fine. But that never happened before. So investing a million dollars to build a transcendent product for a niche for brand that you have under your thing, like that's unheard of. Yeah. So in the past, they have been willing to take those types of risks for WWE. Now that it's a boom, why wouldn't you take those risks again? Like, especially now that you have the safety net to fall back on, it seems like. Well, yeah, because you, I mean, you had record sales like that. You've got, exactly. there's money there you can turn around and invest for your future. Right. And I think, I think, well, it's yet to be seen for this year's transcendent release, but you know, how do you, could you involve digital with that stuff? Like, could you add an NFT based collectible to which transcendent release? That's a very that good could, point. Like, why wouldn't you do something like that? Panini does that for their blockchain stuff they put in national treasures and flawless for football and basketball why wouldn't you take that opportunity to do that in your wrestling or you know product like this or even your baseball product yeah, like you've, you're already heavily involved and invested in that product that transcend might as well go ahead and throw some digital in there while yeah you're and it. i'm sure that and, and that's the funny thing is like I, these are you know a, a small puddle of ideas that i'm sure are drops in a lake of stuff that tops would love to do with the money that they have sure. and people have been complaining non-stop about the cost of wax and wwe going through the roof the price of singles for wwe going through the roof yep. regardless if it's vintage or modern like my becky lynch collection has probably tripled in value over the last 18 months and people are pissed about that and i'm like I put weeks worth of work into this, you know, just from being on the computer alone, let alone the other stuff I've money I've spent ripping boxes and buying singles and stuff. Sure. Why wouldn't I want it to be as valuable as it could possibly be? Yeah. And more importantly, because all of that stuff is happening, all of a sudden Tops is selling out through all of their products. They're able to raise prices and still sell out. The secondary market is delivering value that they can invest more in like it used to be like they didn't want to be upside down on cards, right? I don't know if you've ever sort of understood the business of how they do this, but if I pay Joe Montana $100 for his autograph per card, but it's only worth $75, I'm upside down $25 on that investment. Yep. Now, for people like uh, Tom Brady, I have to do that because Tom Brady, right? For Patrick yep. Mahomes, I have to do that because Patrick Mahomes, Mike Trout, like all of those people, you have to put them in the product, even if you're upside down. Well, for wrestling, when every autograph that you spend more than like five to $10 on, you're going to be upside down on, give or take a few wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Like that's a tough sell for a lot of different people in the tops organization. But now because all of that stuff is now worth 10 to 15 times what it was, like a Hulk Hogan autograph, you're probably paying him, you know, X number of dollars and you're getting, you used to get back probably X. You put, you get back your investment. Now you put a Hulk Hogan autograph in a card, you pay him X, you should get X plus N. So it, does that mean you invest more in your products knowing that you can get, you can be upside down less on a lot of these, you know, trading card deals. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping the answer is yes. The first real product we saw that on was fully loaded mm -hmm. and you saw the investment that they made in that product it was incredible mm -hmm. the amount of investment they put into that product the second product we will see that in is the new edition of chrome so i think once we get chrome and then undisputed for this year i know this is not part of our original discussion yeah. but it kind of all feeds into the same sure. sort of concept is if i put x number of dollars into chrome 
and I get out X number of dollars, that's kind of a loss. Like I want to make money on this product more so if I invest more money, if I invest more money, I want to make more money. Now that's going to happen. Undisputed specifically, we saw some of the crazy stuff that they are putting back into Undisputed having been gone for years, like the, the fists and all the other stuff. Yeah. Like in digital, it's, it's, it's completely the same situation multiplied by exponential value because digital has no footprint at tops other than this small package of people that run the app. Yeah. So if you're going to invest a million dollars in a new innovation, whether it's NFT or digital, you have to get back much, much more than you would expect to get back on a physical stuff because you have more leash on yeah. a physical side than a digital side. Yep, it's true. 100%. A lot of good points right there. A lot of good things to also think about what's coming out in the future here. And that's a great idea, by the way. I think the, having a digital aspect into your transcendent really makes a, a buyer for Huge. that yeah. even more. Or even a, even the, like the higher end stuff you should put, there should be digital connections to all of that. Really, well, uh, I'm yes. surprised that, they, that there hasn't been, but you know, that's just- my, my, I mean, if you're already investing a big, a, a big amount of money for something like a transcendent type of product, it makes sense to try to test the waters with that product right there and see yeah. how that works. And then kind of trickle down effect from there. Yeah, it's really weird, really weird sort of situation. Be again, because the teams are separate, because the, the divisions are separate, like everything in digital and physical tops are separate. I'm sure it's the same at Panini. I'm almost positive it's the same at Panini. Um, so it doesn't matter who is producing the cards. The digital and physical are almost entirely separate in trading cards. And just it, it, you see the results are entirely separate. It's a complete silo of both of those divisions, both at Panini and at Top. Now with Panini, they've incorporated more elements into their products and they've made it a point, I, I think because, and, I, and the reason, I think I know the reason why that happened. The guy who runs the Panini digital division is a former trading card guy. Mm. So um, I'm not going to say his name because I know who he is. He's mm. on all the top apps too. Sure. Um, but like, He's a very knowledgeable, he has become a very knowledgeable guy for digital, but he started on the trading card side. So there was a lot more relationship there that he could leverage to sort of make those things happen. Um, but if you're looking at tops, that's not the way it happened at tops. Tops, it kind of came up, you know, like this instead of like this, right? Mm -hmm. Benini was like this and it just kind of branched off and it was much different of an opportunity for them because and that's where the blockchain stuff came from originally which i don't know enough about how that works I've, I've never invested in panini blockchain stuff but there there's a digital element there's a physical element i know um because they release physical signed cards with block under the blockchain brand what that means from a digital perspective I don't know. Is it NFT? I don't know. Like I, I, there, I don't have enough frame of reference there to make a comment on it, but I know that that type of relationship probably exists because there's more trading card people involved with the digital products on Panini or were used to be part of the trading card people. And they have those relationships reestablished and there's probably not as much of an adversarial or doesn't seem to be as much of an adversarial stuff um, as there probably would be with someplace like Tops, whose baby has always been cards and i know for a fact that the divisions came up out of separate sort of situations so to create relationships would probably be a lot harder for people who've been there for a long time i'm just guessing and speculating but no it, it does make sense but you know someone eventually is going to have to cross over that bridge there and it's like that and kind of make that as you said cross <laughs> so yeah it, it just makes sense well 
yeah, it's a lot of interesting stuff to kind of digest and think about it's like that. Um, it, who knows what's going to happen, man, the, the future? Who knows? Uh, I would, someone like me who collects, I would love to potentially invest in something NFT wise or in a digital aspect. It would be kind of cool. I, I, I like it because, and what I like about the, uh, the Slam app, you know, from a very dumbed down version is that I can go ahead and open packs. I get that feeling of opening packs. I get to have a collection of stuff. I don't have to worry about conditions about anything at our, ever. I don't have to worry about storing anything. It's all right here mm -hmm. on my phone. And right. I just, I like it. It's just, it feeds that need at a very cheap level to open packs, you know? Well, I think that the most attractive part of that versus NFTs is that the learning curve seems to be a lot less steep. And that is a very loaded situation because the learning curve in the top apps is very steep, yeah. but it's even steeper for NFT because there's real money investments and almost stock market-like volatility that's involved yeah. as well. It's 100% so like, stock market-like. Yeah, I, I wrote on my, my trading card blog you know, about my experience with the top NFTs and because and I had never done anything with NFTs before, before I bought that first top pack. And I just happened to hit the jackpot. And it was able to turn that investment into some crazy cool stuff that came out of it. But I had no experience. I had no experience. And the learning curve was, I think, steeper on the NFT side because there was so many more stakes to it. Like the stakes to the NFT side make it more of a large learning curve than the stakes involved with the top steps because you can be relatively successful spending $5, $10 here and there. Sure. NFTs, you have to start with a hundred to a thousand dollars and you, there is no in between yeah. the people that went and spent a thousand dollars on that first tops drop of baseball NFT made out X better than the people that only spent a hundred dollars like me. Of course. So the stakes are much higher. The people that get the learning curve much more quickly can be more successful. I was successful only because I had experience in top baseball and the top fabs. I knew that Mike Trout was always valuable in bunt. I knew that France, um, Tatis, uh, Fernando Tatis, mm. I knew that he was valuable in bunt. So who do you think I was in Acuna? Like, who do you think I poured all of my resources in when I opened those packs and I had stuff to trade? Where do you think I put all of that money? It's those three guys. Yeah. I had that learning curve from the top apps, knowing that and from baseball cards where some other investors may not have had that and decided to invest in other pieces. So I started with a hundred dollars and walked away with what, like 1700 bucks only because of my experience in baseball cards and top apps. But if I didn't have that learning curve, I would have been like, you know, yeah, who, who knows? knows? Yeah, <laughs> who knows? And there's so uh, much more stakes there. Top taps, you spend five bucks, you, you still have the cards, you're trading, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's like yeah. five bucks. Who cares? Yeah, that's true. Well, I hope that, uh, you know, as things kind of progress and we start seeing more things take off in the digital worlds like that, that uh, maybe you and I can talk again and see where we're at. And of course, yeah, time. I'm and always happy. To, and I'm on, I, I'm I, on I love these conversations. I love these conversations. Yeah, I'm on Twitter yeah. all the time and I'm very opinionated. Yeah, as you've I seen. know it. Tell them where they can find you at, man. <laughs> so, yeah, follow me at Sports Cards Uncensored on Twitter, which is at SC Uncensored. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and see all the WWE cards I post at WWE Gelman, G-E-L-L-M-A-N. Um, or you can visit um, my uh, blogs, wrestlingcardcentral.com and sportscardsuncensored.com. Or you can join one of our awesome Facebook groups like Wrestling Cards and Collectibles as well. I'm so in that group. Oh, 
yeah, there's a huge amount of ways to engage. And that's what I love about this community is like, I feel like I've been collecting sports cards for 35 plus years, whatever. And like, I, I opened my first pack of cards, I think when I was three years old, I'm 38 now. And um, my dad was big into it. And I've never had an experience in a trading card community like I have with WWE. I, I don't share the same beliefs on a lot of the grading stuff that has sure. taken over vintage, but I, from a modern perspective, I think there is an unmatched community experience that exists within WWE cards that don't, doesn't exist anywhere else. Is it just WWE or just like the wrestling community as a whole? Wrestling, when it comes to yeah, wrestling, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I mean, I've, I've oftentimes talked about this with other guests before where you say, it's, I don't have the experience in other sports. And as a kid, I collected you know baseball and some football too, like yeah. that. But uh, primarily my entire adult life has always been about wrestling. So um, I don't know any other community. I've heard other communities are a little more, it could be a little more cutthroat. It could be a little bit more crude at times where well, wrestling it's, it's about the a, money yeah wrestling seems to be a, a little bit more of a family you know like a close niche yeah i mean like so. wrestling wrestling cards aren't as expensive as all the other ones so it's sort of created a community around helping people get their it's like you can see like those are all my becky lynch cards sure. like you you can all of that came from the community right i didn't buy a lot of those on ebay some of them but a lot of that was done through interacting with the community and and from a digital perspective too like you make friends much easier i think in the wwe community because you find that niche that you want to exist within just like you do on the digital apps and you become known as that person and um you can see exactly how the community reacts to somebody identity like you love collecting kurt angle mm -hmm. if you go on the the, the wrestling community uh, forums on facebook and other places you say i'm the kurt angle guy I want to buy all these Kurt Angles. There are going to be people that rush to help you. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in football, if you're like, I'm a Tom Brady guy, well, I'm not giving you a thousand dollars worth of Tom Brady cards for free, but I'll give you a $10 Kurt Angle autograph, right? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a much different type of experience. And as a result, the collectors that exist within those communities are driven by the community standards and, and existing and being that sort of contributing member rather than just, sort of, I have, I want to collect this and hoard as much for, cause I'll worth so much money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tom Brady autographs have always been expensive, like always now they're just exponentially more expensive. Yeah. So for something like this, like I, even now I can go buy a Becky Lynch autograph for 30 bucks. Yeah. So, and she's, and now I'm not going to be able to get a lot of the stuff that I've been able to acquire. Like I, sure. I'm not, but that aspect alone brings people closer together it's cheap thrills there's like a yeah. lot more ways to participate in ways that don't require a ton of money that doesn't mean those things don't exist as we've yeah. seen like hulk hogan selling for twenty two thousand yeah. dollars or whatever yeah. it was yeah but you can exist within the wrestling community for a very inexpensive cost as long as you're willing to you know adjust your collecting habits to do that and i think it doesn't exist anywhere else that's true that's very true i think you're right all right interesting stuff man i really interesting stuff well, yeah, thanks uh, again for having me on. It's been great. I'm always happy to, to hop oh, on. I, 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 I enjoy your conversations, man. I enjoy it very much. So, so uh, anybody watching this episode would like to go ahead and make any kind of comments, suggestions, uh, throw some thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever you want. I don't care. And then go buy my buddy. I always like, I'm trying to plug my friend uh, Zan all the time. Go buy him a coffee, man. <laughs> he yeah. needs to be... Uh, caffeinated on online all the time um but uh yeah i hope everybody enjoyed this uh and um i look forward to talking to you again in the future when we can uh, talk some more digital stuff hopefully yeah sounds good man thanks for having me on all right thank you man until next time man we are out okay.